Thank you, Jason and team. Welcome, church family. Um, Alan McClure, the uh, associate pastor. And a few weeks ago, Tim and I were talking about where we were in the the sermon series in the life of the church. And uh, Tim is between series at the moment, and he had asked me to to fill in for him as we uh, better prepare uh, for where we're going as a church and everything that is that is coming together. And wasn't that wonderful news that? Uh, we can begin sharing with the church that we are coming back together. So that is that is certainly something that we have been uh, waiting for and anticipating. So uh, this message is sort of a bridge from where we have been to where it is that we are going. And uh, I would ask that uh, you would uh, engage the message today. And as you have opportunity uh, in your care groups or in other groups, uh, that you would come together and, and worship with others and get ready for when we do come back together uh, very soon in just a, just a few short weeks. That'll be a wonderful time. But I want you to think about this, in the, that we're going to be coming back together. You know, you and, I, you and I have always encountered those folks, or we have known folks that they seem to have natural abilities that maybe we didn't have, that they could do things that we or others could not do. For instance, they may have the DNA that they could be a superb athlete or, or do great things in that area. But their natural abilities were never enough. That did not suffice for everything. Take, for instance, the competitive marathon runner. I mean, they have to have the right diet. They have to have the right exercise regimen, and they also have to have the certain kind of rest or a certain amount of rest while they're getting ready to run that marathon. But even with all of their abilities and even when they are going through the motions and, and doing everything right, that is not enough. You see, they have to first prepare the heart or none of that will come to fruition. If the heart isn't in it, the other things that go into running that race, they won't happen. And ladies and gentlemen, regarding the heart, that is not something that can be coached. You either have it or you don't. And if you do have it, and it is in alignment, it is cultivated from within. Now in Scripture, we have an example of a man who who seemed to already have it all together. He was already versed in the, the things of God. He, he knew the things of God, for he was a scribe. He was a, a man that would copy the Old Testament writings, and he would be a man that would be respected amongst his peers. And we will find that he was also respected amongst the leadership where it was that he was living. But that wasn't enough. Because God had a task for this man that required things over and above the skills that he had. The assignment that God was soon to give this man, more was needed. And that man's name was Ezra. And there's a lot that we can learn from this Old Testament man that has a book written after his name in the book of Ezra. Now, in that particular book, there is a verse... And I'm going to talk about this verse for a little bit that, 
that it is not the crux of the entire book, but if that verse wasn't in there, it is likely that the rest of the book wouldn't be there. And it was necessary that Ezra would do something. He would be engaged in something before God could use him in the way that he did. And you and I would do well to learn as we would look back at Ezra so that God can use us in ways similar that he used Ezra. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles or on your tablet, or whatever it is that you're using, to the book of Ezra. And that is not a place that we go often. It's, if it helps, it's kind of between 2 Corinthians and Nehemiah, if that helps much. But that's uh, it's where it is. It's in the Old Testament book of Ezra. And we're going to be in the 7th chapter, verse 10, is our, is our main text. But we'll be looking elsewhere. So if you would follow along with me as we read this text, and we see what God was doing then and there, And what we can learn from in the here and now. So in verse 10, it says, For Ezra, notice what he did. He had set his heart, or he had prepared his heart, to study the law of the Lord, but not only that, to practice it, and not only that, to teach his, that is God's statutes and ordinances in Israel. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I am thankful for this opportunity to come before you and before your people in this way to open up your word. It is an immense privilege, and it is not one that I or we take lightly, for it is the living and active word of God that is our guide in all of life. And Father, in our prayer this morning, as Tim and I prayed before this service, we do worry about a lot of things in this world. And things that we don't need to. And Father, when we encounter that worry, we can simply go to your word. And we can learn from what is on these pages. And Father, that we would apply that in our lives. So Father, in the time that we have this morning with your people. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would go out in homes. And wherever your people are that are hearing this message, either now or later. And Father, that your great Holy Spirit would illuminate what you were doing then and there so that we can learn today and apply it in our lives. And Father, we give you all the glory. It is in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Now, I want to clarify something right off the bat. The book of Ezra, the thesis statement of Ezra, is not about Ezra preparing his heart. There, there is so much more to that book than that. The book of Ezra is a historical account or where God is bringing his people back into their land after a period of captivity. Now, you may recall from earlier in the Old Testament where, where when God was speaking to his people as he was bringing them into the promised land, he told them, he said, you are to be a different people because you are a different people. You are to live differently in the land, and you are not to get caught up in all the things that the rest of the world gets caught up in, and you are certainly not to worship false gods. And that if you do this, and that you continue to do this, punishment is going to come your way. Well, as we know, the nation didn't listen to God. And so, in 722 B.C., it was the northern kingdom of Israel, that they were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And you may recall those are the folks that Jonah, just a a few years earlier, had gone and proclaimed the word of God to. 
And then in the southern kingdom, they continued in, in rebellion. In 586, it was the Babylonians that, that conquered them and took them into exile. So God's people were punished. They were taken into exile because they had not listened to what God has said. They did not follow after him. But yet, even in exile, God was not done with his people. And so after a period of exile... Uh, God was moving amongst the pagan kings. He was faithful to his word. He was going to send his people back into the land. You may recall there was a man uh, named Zerubbabel that, that went back to the land. And he was helping rebuild the land, but mainly he was helping rebuild the temple. So there was a place of worship. Then there was a man named Nehemiah that was sent to help rebuild the wall. And between those two men... There was a man named Ezra, and Ezra was sent by the king to go back to Jerusalem. To, and God's plan is that Ezra would help restore the hearts of the people through God's law and love. But to see more of who Ezra is so that we have an understanding of who he is, I want you to go back just a couple of verses, and it's in chapter 7, verse 6, and you'll see it on the screen behind me. It tells us more of who this man Ezra was. Notice, if you will, it says, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a scribe, and he was skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all he requested, because the hand of the Lord his God was upon him. So notice there all that, that Ezra has going for him. He, he's a scribe. And he not only knew the, the law of God, the, the law of Moses, but it says that more than he knew it, that he was skilled in it. And on top of that, he had favor with this pagan king that, that was over him at the time. And it was obvious to all in this pagan king that the hand of God was up on Ezra and was, was leading Ezra and all that was going on. So you could assume that Ezra was a pretty significant individual. And so Ezra is sent to Jerusalem, and you would think that since Ezra had all the church credentials, that Ezra could just go in there to Jerusalem, that he would set up shop, and he would just begin operating. No, more was needed. That was not enough for what God wanted to do through that man in his nation. It required something more out of Ezra in order to accomplish what it was that God wanted. So I want you to look again at verse 10, if you will, that we read earlier. Notice what Ezra did. It says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and then to practice it, then to teach his statues and ordinances in Israel. So the New American Standard says that he, he set his heart. Now another way of saying that is that he was determined in his heart. He was dedicated in his heart. And then the King James says that he prepared his heart. They, the words are used interchangeably. It is active. He is, he is doing something in his heart to accomplish what it is that, that God wanted him to do. And just like the marathon runner that that, that runs the race, that has to prepare his heart in order to run the race. Ezra intentionally prepared his heart to surrender all that he was to all that God is to be used by God for God's purpose. He prepared his heart to continue 
to study the Word of God. He was already familiar with the Word of God, but he, can, he prepared his heart, and he continued to study the Word of God in the land that God had promised Abraham many years earlier. Now, notice what Ezra did from this prepared heart. He didn't keep it to himself. Notice it says in the text that he actually, from his prepared heart, he practiced that in his life. He, he stepped into the life in God, so he, he lived it out. And as that, we can only assume that in following the Old Testament law, that, that he would pray to God. He would ask God for forgiveness. He would follow the, the law of Moses, the law of God. He would repent. He would, he would make sacrifice when, when he sinned. In essence, Ezra lived out what it is that he knew, and he lived out what he put his heart to there in the land. And so he lived that out. Now, others would see this in his life. Others would see the validity of this in his life. So he was a walking testimony. You know, I would rather see a testimony than hear a testimony any day. So Ezra, no doubt, had a testimony that was, that was visible. And his heart was surrendered to do what it is that God called him to do. Now, was Ezra perfect? No. He probably messed up just as much as everybody. And he, no doubt, lived out what it is that he set his heart to. But with all that... It didn't stop there. Out of that prepared heart, so that he could better understand the, the word of God that he had available at that time. And out of this prepared heart that he lived it out, it was out of this prepared heart after all of that, that he then began to teach his people, the people of God, the word of God. Now notice again the time period. This, this, is, this is very important. God's people were returning from exile. And it's a pivotal time in the nation. You see, there was in essence a period where the people of God could do a reset on what was going on. Because if you remember, they had lived in disobedience and God warned them. God sent prophets, says, you need to quit doing this. The, the good kings of Israel would try to make change, but the people kept rebelling against God, so God punished them and sent them into captivity. So now God is bringing them back into the land. And so they have an opportunity to reset, to, to start over, that they could begin living is the people of God the way that God would want them? In a sense, they are getting a second chance. And in all of that, ladies and gentlemen, God was working through a man, a humble man, that had prepared his heart for such a great task. So again, he knew the Word of God. He was skilled in the Word of God. He was respected by the people of God. He would be respected by the king that God was using. And God's hand was upon him, but that was not enough. Because if you read later in the book of Ezra, Ezra had to make some difficult decisions. You see, he had to, he had to make some decisions regarding the church people. And the church people's family, if you read later on. And ladies and gentlemen, anytime that you are in a church and you make a decision regarding the church folks or the family of the church folks, I'm here to tell you, you better be dialed into God. You better be praying to God. You better be hearing from God. And you better have a prepared heart to take it before God. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Ezra. He had prepared his heart to do all of this. Now, if Ezra 
had ever come to the point, had never come to the point of preparing his heart. Think of that. If he had never done that part that he could do under the, the motivation of God, it's possible that we might not be hearing about him some 25 centuries later. But he did. He prepared his heart and God used him mightily. Now think about this. It wasn't easy. They were going back to a land that had been destroyed. And most likely Ezra, like you and I, would have days where we might have doubt. Maybe we doubt ourselves. Maybe we doubt what we thought God might have told us. And maybe there was frustration. And if he was ever a, a preacher, probably the morning that he woke up to speak, early in the morning when he's preparing a text, he quit every Sunday morning. But ladies and gentlemen, he was dedicated in his heart to do what it is that God called him to do. Because if your heart isn't in it, it won't happen. Because you cannot be effective at the things of God if you don't at least understand the things of God. And you cannot live it out if you don't set your heart to it. And you, can't, you certainly can't teach it if you haven't first lived it out. Because if you're living one way and you're trying to teach something else, the two don't align up and your audience will dial you out. And so he practically applied what he knew and his heart was in it. And so he did. So we, you and I, should want to live our lives so that we can accomplish things for God here in Burnham, Texas or wherever it is that we are. Perhaps on the mission field. And we would do that in our generation and then perhaps teach the youngers, the younger folks, so that they could do it in their generation. And our life and what we do and how we carry that out should be viewed by its eternal impact. Now, with that thought in mind, there's a poem that was written years ago. And as I was doing some research, I'm not sure exactly who wrote it. It's certainly not original with me. But in that poem, there's a phrase that, that captures so much. And I want to read this to you. And it goes like this. It says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so the point meaning that everything that we do here that has nothing to do with Christ, it's gone. But that which we do for Christ in the name of Christ, and you could say from a prepared heart for Christ, that is what is going to last. So we should have a heavenly perspective on this temporal earth. And all the things that go on here are going to be temporary. They are all going to pass away. And we should have a heavenly aspect or a heavenly thought on all that is going on and that should impact us deeply in how it is that we deal with other people. And so, if we live that out, our life then would, in a sense, be like Ezra. Because Ezra realized that his life did not belong to his own. It was dedicated to the things of God. Because Ezra had to travel many miles on foot to go to where he was going to, to be used by God. And so, Ezra had his heart committed there where he was. And so, that should be the heart of God's people everywhere. And ladies and gentlemen, it should also be the heart of God's people here at Champion Fellowship as we will soon begin to come back together. Now, God is most likely not going to send you or I or any of us to Jerusalem to, to teach the law of Moses in the same way that he did with Ezra. 
but yet he can and he will use us in our day to make an eternal impact on those that are around us. One example, and we went through this uh, early last year, is where the Apostle Peter, he explains, though that we may live in a godless world, and we do, because the world is not seeking after God. There's pockets, but the world as a whole is not seeking after God. And though we may live under a godless government, and we do, regardless of the political party that you align yourself with, if you look at the news, they're all doing a character assassination of everybody else, and folks, that's not from God. And then perhaps you live around godless neighbors. Oh, they may be nice, and they may mow your yard from time to time, but if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of our neighbors do not know the Lord and sometimes some of our neighbors do us wrong. But even with all of that, what Peter is telling us, even with all of that that is going on, it should not get in the way of us giving a witness to who it is that we are aligned to. And that is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It's a familiar verse to many of us. And I want to read it, and then I want to I paraphrase it in context of the whole book. But I want you to see where you're at and how you carry this out wherever it is that you are. Look look there if you would. It's in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense, to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So when we look at everything that Peter had covered in the preceding chapters, the, the time and the, the setting and the context and what he's saying here. I want to I paraphrase this, and so follow along with me if you would. So as you're looking at that verse, please keep it up on the screen. I want you to think about this. I want you, you and I that we would ensure that Christ is number one in our heart. He has final say on everything. And prepare yourself, not just Sunday morning, but that your heart would have a life habit of preparing yourself to give an answer to anyone who asked you a question like this. Hey, you're different. What is it about your faith that, that, that keeps you going? What is it about your faith that, that makes you different? Would you help me understand that? And then you would answer them with all gentleness, not arrogance, because that's an open door to share the gospel and you would do it with respect and all humility. Now, in a world that is opposed to Christ, you may get up and you may go to a place where you work and everybody there is opposed to Christ. You're driving home and everybody's opposed to Christ. And you come home and there's chaos because, well, the kids are out of school and all this other stuff and you're, you're going into all of this and you, you, just, you just feel like you need a break. The only way, ladies and gentlemen, that you can live that verse out, that you can give somebody an answer, is that you would prepare your heart by living it out in community with others that are going to pour into you. That they are going to believe in you. They're going to walk with you. And you are going to learn how to live this verse out in others in community, in relationship with others. Because the Christian life is not just what you do on Sunday morning so that you can get it out of the way and get to what's important into your life. No, it is Christian life, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to hear this. 
It is life that is this side of the grave, which is preparation for life that the grave cannot contain. So in other words, there was one pastor, I forget who he was, he said, living the Christian life now is kind of like the dress rehearsal for all eternity. Now, I know that's simplifying it, but the Christian life is living our life now with our focus on Christ, and we could say, from a prepared heart. So Ezra, he went to Jerusalem as God's people were coming back. They were coming back into the land, and they were coming back into the temple to worship and, and have the Old Testament sacrifices and all that went with that under the, under the Mosaic law. And so because of that, the, he had his focus on Christ and he had his heart on Christ. And so as we are coming back together, as we reassemble as a church here in this building and hopefully within about a month when we're all coming back together, we need to have our focus on Christ. And, ladies and gentlemen, it may look a little different. We don't honestly know what it will look like yet. We still want to come back together. We still want to worship. We still want to praise God. We still want to be in adult uh, Bible fellowship. We still want to do all of these things, but it may be a little bit different. And so what we're asking from you is that, and even though if it is different, if the seat that you sat in is not available for you on Sunday morning, don't have your focus on any of that. Have your heart's focus on the things of Christ. Because hear me on this, how we handle that and how our behavior is in all of that is going to follow what we believe about Christ and it will follow whether our heart is prepared or not. It is never about us. It is 100% about what Christ wants to do through us. So I ask you the question as we're coming back together. Do you want to see God move? Do you want to see him on the move? Do you want to see him do great things as we're coming out of this pandemic? Well, the answer is yes. So your first role, the first thing that you are to do is to prepare your heart to do your part. You prepare your heart to do your part, and your part many times may be simple things, not complicated things. You may not have to teach theology. You might not have to be the best cook. You might not have to be doing any of that stuff. But sometimes it is the simple things that God has put on our heart. They all come together and they make a huge impact. And so we do the simple things when we come together in this faith community that has the huge impact. And ladies and gentlemen, can I say that that we need to, to look at our heart and when we come back to fellowship. And then say like our, the small things that we do would be like our, our care groups that would follow through on caring for people, checking on one another. And then we care for each other within the group. And as has been happening, some of our care groups have been caring for others in the church. And some of our care groups have been caring for others in the community. That is the heart motive that we need to have. And can I also say that our hearts would be prepared that when we come back to corporate worship, they're a heart that is pliable that the Lord can use to bring him glory. So, I want you to take a look at your heart. I want you to examine your heart. And I want you to go to God, and though he needs no invitation, I want you to invite him to examine your heart. And 
with that thought, I believe Ezra was aware of Psalm 139 that was written some 500 years earlier. And in this psalm, King David is rather vocal about his distaste for the sin that was in the world. And as I'm reading through that, um, I, I could just imagine that, that, that David was just about at the verge of spitting and cussing because he is talking about all this godlessness in the world. But after he pours his heart out to God and all of that, at the very end of that verse, I want you to look in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Notice the heart of the man who had a heart after God. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as Ezra surrendered his heart to prepare his heart for God's assignment, so should we. Because, folks, those of you that are watching, I know it's coming up on 10 o'clock, and I'm going to ask you, do not turn that computer off. Don't turn your phone off or that tablet. Stay with me a little bit longer because i got a question for you. I want you to ask the Lord right now, wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you got going on, I'm going to ask you to steal your heart and ask the Lord to search your heart. And wherever there is adjustment that is needed, ask the Lord to help you make that adjustment and that he would lead you in it. And then, as he jumpstarts that, if you will, that you then would begin preparing your heart for his assignment that will have an eternal impact. Think about this for just a minute. We often like to think about ourselves. But think about this. Someone's eternity may be waiting on your prepared heart that would demonstrate the love of God in their environment, wherever it is that you are. And then you would win the right to be heard that you could share about that hope that you have in Christ. And then perhaps you would invite them to a worship service. Maybe when we get together outside or we come back in the building. And then when they see that, that we're simple people that, that love God and love Christ and love others, and we just want to share Christ with the world, they're going to see the validity of that, and then they're going to be interested in that. And notice the chain there. Think of the joy that that brings our Lord. But it starts from a prepared heart. Remember the marathon runner who had to first prepare his heart? Remember the scribe who had to prepare his heart to, to travel a few hundred miles to go to Jerusalem and do what it is that, that God wanted him to do? So it is with us. We prepare our heart to be used by God. And you may think right now, Alan, you have no idea what I'm going through. I'm in the valley. It's interesting. Uh, Tim and I were talking last week about where he grew up in Kentucky. And uh, there in the valley, when the sun comes up, it's still dark for a while because the trees and the, the mountains kind of hide the, the sun. And then when it goes over, it, the, the sun kind of gets behind another uh, mountain and there's the trees. And so you've only got a small sliver of light. And you may feel that you're in the valley or you're in the darkness and, and, and it's dark and, and it's all closing in on you. 
And, and, and you may feel all alone. And, and you're watching this morning and you just simply say, you know what? I just want to know that somebody cares. I want to know that someone wants me. I want to know that someone can, can walk with me. And if that is you this morning, I want you to know that you are wanted, you are desired, and you are loved. And we want you to be a part of, of one of our small groups that, that gathers in, in a home or, or maybe in a, in a restaurant. And, and they come together and they do life. It's just a small gathering of people and they care for one another and they enjoy life. It is what we call our care groups where we can care for you and love on you. And there is a place for you. And so if you're not a part of one of them, please call the office. We would love to, to contact you and then connect you with a group so that that group could walk with you. And together, we would all come together and they would help you prepare your heart for whatever it is that God has for you. Let them and the Lord and us love you. But ladies and gentlemen, it starts from a surrendered heart. God bless you. Tim, would you close us? For being a part this morning, just a couple of things. Since we started out with some technical difficulty, I've been asked to just uh, remind you of a couple of things. One, our plan to re-engage, uh, as Alan's been just stressing, we're coming back together. But the next two weeks, as we continue to do our live streaming, I'm asking that our care groups, and we as a church, are asking our care groups to come together to, to watch the worship service together, but also to engage in that worship service together. So care groups, if you would, come together for the 24th and the 31st. If you're not in a care group uh, and you have uh, friends that you'd like to invite uh, to come and be a part, just invite your friends over and be a part of the service on the 24th and the 31st. Uh, again, just getting back together and fellowshipping. Uh, also, on June the 7th, that is our first Sunday that we will be worshiping together. We'll be worshiping in a park here locally in Brenham. Uh, we have a park lined out, but we're working through all the details, so be watching for that to come. So the next two weeks, care groups, come together, worship together, be a part, continue doing life together. On the 7th, we will be gathering together as a, as a CF family once again. It'll be outdoors. We're excited about it. I cannot wait for us to get back together and begin worshiping praying and singing together. So also just thank you, church family, those who have given. Uh, thank you for your financial support and giving in these last few weeks of this time of, of struggle. I know it's tough. Thank you so much for your sacrificial giving. Also, I just want to ask if you would, and, and we know times are tough, but if you would continue to pray about how the Lord would have you give to the ministry here at Champion Fellowship. It enables us to continue with those ministries and and engaging the gospel with people. And so thank you for your faithfulness. And I'm excited to see the things that God is going to continue to do through Champion Fellowship. Thank you for being a part today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, God, you're a faithful God. You're a God who loves. You're a God who, who has been merciful. And you are a God who uh, you saw the only way that we might be redeemed. That was through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that, Lord, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you are faithful to forgive us. 
And Lord, thank you that you have enabled us to be a part of the family of God. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have given uh, your body the Holy Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit that we might engage uh, with you and fellowship. And Lord, through the Word of God, you give us directives on how to live out this life. Thank you for this morning. God, your faithfulness through the Word of God. Thank you. Lord, I just I just keep saying thank you over and over because you're just so gracious. You're so gentle to us. And you meet us right where we are, Lord. And you love us so much. Help us now to take what we have been given and live it out. Lord, out of our belief, it drives our behavior. Help us to be a faithful people. Lord, we love you. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.